Welcome to the Human Inclusive Podcast, where we curate stories that amplify diverse populations. We take a peek into the lives of our allies as they share their experiences in an effort to help communities build empathy and compassion for coexistence. I'm Leah. I use she, her. I'm Christopher. He, him. And together, we are Human Inclusive. This podcast is brought to you by Dante32. And we're back for part two. Thank you for listening to the Human Inclusive Podcast. This episode is split between two parts. So if you haven't listened to part one, please stop and fill your ears with that first one. In part two, we're continuing our conversation with Hope Giselle, Andrea Mares, and Jasmine Lopez. During this episode, we discuss a really important aspect of allyship and what it means to be a true ally. Getting educated without relying on the trans community to do the heavy lifting for you. And how to diversify your feeds for more exposure and learnings. I don't know. I think that growing, especially in the trans community, just means becoming your more authentic self, which isn't changing your body to be the right thing. It isn't making everybody like you. It isn't a variety of things that so many people imagine what the trans community is trying to do, but it's simply showing up to life the way that you've always wanted to. Makes sense. And just being, essentially. Yeah. It sounds so simple when you say it, but as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about all the challenges that everyone faces and the fact that, yeah, if everyone could just show up as they want to be seen, then life would be better, right? If we could like ignore the nasty comments or ignore the ignorant comments, that would be wonderful. But I feel like that's not always how it goes. So in light of that, how can... How can people be allies and be supportive and show you that they want to build community, but maybe don't know how? I personally feel that there's a trans activist, uh, Ashley Preston, who stated that allyship isn't a noun, it's more of an verb, it's an action. And I think that's accurate because, you know, when you think of allyship, it's constant actions that you do to uplift marginalized people, marginalized communities. I think sometimes when people say, oh, I'm an ally, it's like now, right, with that definition, I think of, oh, okay, so are you saying that you've done everything that you that you could for marginalized communities? Is that what you're saying? I think the bigger question is, well, what does your allyship look like? How do you grow within your own allyship? Or are you content with where you are? Like, is this a threshold? Like, I can be an ally, but up to this point. Because then after that, it's like, well, I don't have any more capacity. I'm not trying to be a super ally. I just want to be a regular ally. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's one of the questions that should be asked. And there's allies outside of community. There's allies, you know, within community. Right? Because there's lots of transphobia within the LGBT community from folks who are lesbian, gay, or bi. And of course, a lot of that is also like internalized homophobia and other phobias as well. But, you know, it's tricky, like allyship and what people can do. That's another thing, right? It's You can't like pinpoint one thing because it depends where you are and it depends what issues that the community is facing you feel passionate about. And even within that, it's like, okay, well, I feel passionate about this, but am I just picking and choosing what issues I think matter the most? 
so sometimes when I think of allyship, it's like, mm, it, it's so broad and it can encompass so many things. It can be very upfront and explicit, like you out there on the front lines advocating for community. And it can be very small actions like showing up for a trans person or correcting someone when they misgender a trans person, even if they're not in the room. It's taking on that emotional burden for that one moment so that the trans person doesn't have to. So I think it's recognizing that allyship is more action-based and it's not so much of a self-proclaimed identity. I think that would be a good place to start. Or at least, if not start, definitely recalibrate. Yeah, totally. And if I were to go off of that, um, for me, allyship really looks like what a person is saying when the trans person is not in the room what a person is doing when nobody is looking at them like the integrity of a person is truly what makes somebody an ally you can say that you're down for the cause you can go and march but if you're misgendering people or if you're letting other people misgender your friend in front of you or if somebody says a sexist and queerphobic and transphobic joke in front of you are you going to speak up about it I think, like Jasmine said, allyship really looks like, is this person willing to take on some of that emotional burden? Because we already go through enough as it is. To be able to share that would be amazing. I know for me, I'm a toughie on stuff like this. I'm very hard on everybody. I'm like, it's either all or nothing. You're either, you're, you're going to do it or you're not. Um, and I have to be very careful about that. But all jokes aside, I think for me, allyship is being about what you say you're going to be about, you know, saying that you're about this and then actually like proving those things, just like Jasmine said, being anything in this community, whether it's an activist, whether it's an ally, whether it's just, you know, a support system of any kind is a verb. And I think that once you proclaim that, because we don't give you the title. As trans people, we have enough stuff going on. We don't have time to knight you all. We don't have time to do that people give themselves those titles. And so when you feel bold enough to say, I am an ally of this community, you must first understand, number one, that that's going to come with resistance. And if you're not willing to accept that resistance, then step back. Number two, you must understand that comes with action. And if you're not willing to perform those actions, think of it like a job. If you're not willing to do this job, then do not accept the offer that we're putting on the table for you, you know? And I think that that's where a lot of people miss the mark is that they sign up for the position, they get the position, and then they have a thousand caveats to the job, you know? There should be no caveats to your allyship because there are no caveats to my life. As a trans woman, I don't get to back out. Once I, once I put that out there, it is out there, you know? And I could detransition because that's a thing that's happening lately, but that's another conversation. But I could detransition tomorrow and I'm going to forever be known as Hope the trans person, right? And so I don't ever get to back out of this. And so as an ally, you should treat it as the same thing. Once you say, I stand with these people, I want to understand these people, I love these people no matter what, that is a commitment that you make with us and it should be lifelong and it should show through your actions and through the things that you say. It should show in the things that you post and repost on social media. 
it should show in the way that you treat us, whether we're there or not there, like the ladies have already said. And it should show just in the way that you live. People should know to not be comfortable disrespecting those people who you claim to be an ally of around you without you even saying it. Because who you are as a person should exemplify that without having to proclaim that you are an ally. I feel like there are some people who walk around saying, I support. And there are people who have stickers for HRC and rainbow triangles all over the back of their car. Uh, And Black Lives Matter and everything else. And all of that, right? But where are you when the shit really hits the fan? And once again, it's like she was saying, we're not asking you because allyship comes in different forms. We're not saying that everybody has to be a DeRay McKesson. We're not saying that everybody has to be, you know, an Ashley. We're not saying that everybody has to be up there with those two. Some people can do their best by pushing policies. If you're in an office and you know that that's what you guys do, push those policies. If you are the HR director in your department, what are you doing to make sure that trans people or LGBT people, period, on your job are getting what they need to get? And so your allyship should always follow you. It should come with you everywhere. It should be something that is a second skin, right? Um, It should not feel like a job. It should feel like what's right. We don't allow rapists to walk around and just rape people because we know that it's not right. So in that way, we're all allies of the idea that rape is not okay and we're not going to stand for it. And it's not a job to us because we all have agreed socially that rape is not okay. And so as an ally of the trans community, anti-trans anything should not feel like a job. It's a second skin. It's not okay. She's a she and he's a he, despite what you might think. They've already identified themselves and let's just not let that happen again. And it should be just that simple. I agree. I agree. I agree with everything that was said here. Watching everyone's reaction to this. Everyone's reaction. I, I I am in agreement. And I think that it is easy for, uh, okay, I don't want to say easy, but for lack of a better term, it's easy for us to say this in this conversation, right? But in actuality, those of us that work at, you know, organizations with a lot of people, it's really hard to not be an ally or take these actions and then tomorrow be ready to stand for everything that you say that you're an ally for, right? So how can or how could those people go out and continue to educate themselves what are some of the resources that you would recommend google is a hell of a tool okay i love it i love it i was i was hoping someone was going to say that you know google is a hell of a tool there is a self-taught everything these days right And I feel like people who say, oh, I just want to learn. And so I need to ask you 50,000 questions are people who want to take the easy way out. You don't truly want to advocate. You don't truly want to learn. You just want to sit back and say that you've listened to me and feel connected to the person. I feel like there's a difference between wanting to know about me and wanting to know about my life and wanting to know about my experience. There are some people that are just nosy. Some people just want to know about Andrea. Some people just want to know about her. Like, people just want to know about folks, right? But when you genuinely want to know about a culture, a community of people, what you do is you immerse yourself in that community of people. Jasmine works with people that are constantly told that they can't do this, and she has to, one, be a therapist to them and say, yes, you can. 
And then two, put them out into a world of people who are pretending to want to know about them, but not doing the work before they get to them. So as an employer, don't tell me that you want to be inclusive in your workplace, but you've done absolutely nothing to educate yourself about those things. Don't tell me as a person who's coming into my friend circle that you have a thousand trans friends, but you still don't understand what the difference between they and them pronouns and people who don't identify as trans, but gender non-conforming. Don't tell me as my professor that you are teaching trans awareness or whatever they're coming up with at these universities nowadays, and you have no idea how to identify that you're absolutely wrong for not wanting to use somebody's chosen name because it's not legal yet. You know, those are the things that people need to educate themselves on. The idea of social aspects of transitioning and what it means to be sociable with trans folks, what it means to treat trans people like people and not like monsters or it's or things and not say the wrong thing by mistake. And it seems like a lot and it seems like I'm being unfair and it seems like I'm being hard, but I think that it's time for us to do those things because as long as we allow things to slack, as long as we sit back and we say, well, we're going to accept that because we realize that it takes time, the more that people do that. My favorite analogy, and I came up with this years ago, but it stands tall and it stands true, is that if I walk into a room and I see somebody with a puppy on the floor and I say, oh my God, that puppy is so cute. He is the cutest little puppy I've ever did see. And that person says, oh no, it's a girl. I can immediately adjust in my brain that that's now a female dog and I'm calling her a she with no problem. But if a person walks into a room, a living, breathing person wearing a dress and a skirt tells you that she's a woman, it's all of a sudden a problem because you've chosen in your mind to be ignorant and then you sit back and you tell that person that woman that's in your face oh hey i get that you're a woman but it's going to take me some time that's bullcrap preach it's bullcrap you know what i'm saying that's bullcrap so if you want to educate yourself the easiest way to do that is to go through and look at the experiences of, of, of people who have screwed up Look at the Google articles. Look at the experiences that you've seen and then do better. Mm -hmm. Don't ask, you know, trans person after trans person the same thing because what you're initially doing is just getting different stories and different ways to deal. But when you see how trans people reacted to this particular incident, when you see what all trans people are agreeing to online, it makes it a little bit easier for you to narrow down how you're supposed to act. And honestly, how you're supposed to act is the way that you want somebody to act with you. And that's really what it boils down to. And there's so many resources out there, right? Like go look on Twitter and Instagram and any other social media and follow people who are in different communities than yours. And like, just, just immerse yourself. Like you said, immerse yourself in their community, like really, truly immerse yourself in the conversations. You don't have to interrupt the conversations, but you can pay attention to them and listen and learn. And, and then you don't put that work on that person, Exactly. which is what it sounds like happens a lot. I was going to say, actually, that Twitter is like one of the most amazing resources when it really comes to educating yourself, because it can give you a real-time perspective on a lot of things that are going down. And so if you follow the right people, and the right people looks different for everybody, but if you want to get educated on trans stuff, there are people who are outspoken about what's happening in our community constantly, who will share their emotions and feelings because they want other people to hear them and to know about them. And Twitter is a perfect resource for that. And to put a celebrity on blast, one of the most perfect examples that I could think of is Willem from RuPaul's Drag Race, that a bunch of gay men tend to love and rally behind and say, this person is so funny and X, Y, Z. But they have also been known for making really transphobic jokes. And I wasn't on Twitter 
when it was happening, but I'm sure that that would have been one of the first places I would have gone to check to see what my friends are saying about that situation. Again, for a person who wants to be educated and know why that's bad, like if they were to hear Willem saying that in a video, it'd be like, oh, that's not that bad. But then see the rest of the trans world responding to it, they get to look into Twitter and think about why and see what the people's justification is. Yeah, I don't know. I love Twitter. <laughs> It's a pretty great resource. First of all, I, I want to say that I totally agree with everything that Hope and Andrea are saying. You know, in terms of education, you can't remediate everyone at the same time, right? People are going to be in different places, you know, at different stages in, you know, their learning. And I, I remember one of the things that stood out to me when we were on the panel, Hope said, it's important to be honest about where you are in your process. Like it's okay for learning to be a continuous thing, right? It doesn't have to stop. And you don't have to lie about if you're struggling with something or if you need additional support. Because there's a plethora of resources online. There's many people that you can follow. But I think when you're in that learning process and you're looking for resources, you also want to make sure to fact check right? Make sure that, like Andrea said, you're following the right people and think about what that means for you. I think an additional step to that is, okay, do I just want to learn certain parts that are convenient to me or do I want to learn about the whole thing? That's also an important distinction because lots of folks, they want to be allies, they want to learn, but they only want to learn the parts that feel comfortable. And a part of learning is being uncomfortable right? Being uncomfortable is the first step to unlearning oppressive behaviors, whether you knew they were oppressive or not, whether you were consciously doing them or not, you're going to be uncomfortable when you're learning. You know, there's been high profile people who didn't want to identify as a cisgender woman because the word cisgender wasn't an organic part of their vocabulary. And I'm like, but the English language or anything that we learn just as a human isn't an organic part of our vocabulary. Right. All of that stuff is learned. We learn all of this information and it shapes our understanding of the world around us and those shifts. And shifting and modifying our understanding, especially if it's an affirming understanding and compassionate understanding, that's important and it's crucial to making sure that everyone is treated equitable. You also have to give credit. You know, if someone takes time to teach you, or if you hear something that resonates with you and you apply it to your own life, you have to give credit because this wasn't your idea. You didn't come up with this. Someone else came up with that, and that comes from their own lived experience. And you have to acknowledge that. So acknowledging where you got your knowledge from is also important not only to learning, but to your allyship as well. So in that thought, do you all have one or two people that you follow or that you engage with that you just feel like these are people that I turn to when I want to understand something or learn something or that you think other people should be looking to in order to learn more about the trans community? Just because I love her and her life, Janet Mock is one of my sheroes in life. Because there's so many people that I get like so many good nuggets from that I'm like, ooh. But one of them actually is not trans at all. 
And I have to give him credit because he is so constant. And I love the work that he does because he's not trans. And he makes it his business to be there for trans women. And his name is The Eavesdropper because his name is Eve, but like his Instagram name is The underscore Eve with a Y dropper. He's now like sort of kind of like using his platform that he got from being an activist (laughs) to like do his other things, but he's still very much so purposefully an activist for trans women and especially trans women of color. And his Women Crush Wednesdays, it's really sad. Like I didn't think about how sad this was, but for months he's been able to dedicate a different Women Crush Wednesday to a trans woman of color that has been killed. Is one crazy? Wow. So sad. But it's very admirable. And for months, his Woman Crush Wednesday has been a trans woman that has been a victim of murder. And that's one of his ways that he lets people know that this is not just like a game. Like, here's another one this week. How powerful. It's really powerful. And I'm not sure what his story is behind that. I don't think that he has an ulterior motive because he doesn't like date trans women, as far as I know. But the fact that any chance that he gets to put trans women in the forefront and make sure that we're not forgotten, especially in spaces for women. He makes sure that he's there and he's always talking about it. And um, I just really appreciate that coming from a cisgender male, especially a Black cisgender male. It just makes me really proud. So outside of Janet, I would definitely say follow him because he does have a lot of pertinent information. Outside of being just like a genuine, kind-hearted person, he actually really educates people about the trans community as he sees it. And like Jasmine says, he does give credit where he finds his information from. So I appreciate that too. What about you, Jasmine or Andrea? I would also say Janet Mock. I think she's amazing. She's just mother. (laughs) I I love her. Yeah, I love her. I think the way that she talks about trans issues and delivers education, she delivers it with such a ferocity while still keeping it together. And she'll really push you to like check yourself. And I love that. And the fact that she's just a strong Black woman. I love that. And I think that we need more of that. There's so much I can say about Janet, but I definitely love how she carries herself in the sense that I'm here, I'm a trans woman, and I'm in a vulnerable space because I'm talking about myself and experiences, and I'm also advocating for a community, but I'm going to be strong in doing so, and she just goes all in, so I love that. I would also say Laverne, Laverne Cox, especially being a prominent trans person in media, in film. And the fact that she's also been shifting how people talk about trans people as well. I remember, you know, during that interview, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Katie Couric. I'm not sure. But the interviewer had asked Laverne, oh, so you were born a man. Something to that effect. And then Laverne was like, oh, well, I like to say that I was assigned male at birth. And that was very powerful because I think many trans folks didn't look at their life experience that way up until that moment. It changes the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely changed it for me because I always also saw myself as a person who's like, oh yeah, well, I was born a boy and now I'm a girl. But it's like, no, that's not really accurate. I was just fine male at birth. Like someone made that decision for me based on their own you know, biases and preconceptions about what boys and girls, male and female, should be. All these made-up concepts that are also oppressive. 
so it was really like one normalizing the experience and also taking back the control and the agency over your own identity in that context. So that was also very powerful. Thank you. And Andrea? Sorry, I'm like scouring my um, Twitter <laughs> timeline to see who I can. You're like, who do I pick? I know, who do I t- <laughs> so many. But I think my number one in terms of somebody who like is constantly sharing information and really deserves a shout out is Ashley Marie Preston. She has a podcast also. I think it's called, I forgot what it's called, but um, I vibe with her. She's very grounded. She's also sober. She's amazing and has a lot of really palatable radicalness. <laughs> like she packages her advocacy in a way that I think is not overwhelming all the time and still has like a, a foundation of love. Her podcast is called Shook, by the way. Thank you, Shook. It's amazing. Um, there's also this person who goes by the handle of Trani Sita, T-R-A-N-N-Y-C-I-T-A on Twitter. Very outspoken about like Indigenous rights, trans rights, capitalism. <laughs> it's, it's She's amazing. And then the last person I would say is Cat Black, probably, with a K. So it's K-A-T. B-L-A-Q-U-E, if I spelled that right. She's been in the game for a little bit, especially in the YouTube world, and she's done a lot of stuff that's just kind of like, ah, beautiful. And in your face, and tells you the truth about like what we need to be talking about. So I see those three people probably. In this topic of learning and education, our, our podcast is about takeaways that our listeners can have. And so at the end of every one, we talk about what is one thing that you learned or something that you're going to take away. And we've done so much educating the folks that are here listening in today. So it's good to internalize and say, well, what did we learn from this conversation? Um, So we'd like to do it round robin style. I will start to give folks time to think about something that they've learned. I can't even enumerate the things that I've learned uh, in just this conversation today. But one of the biggest ideas that kind of struck out to me is that allies need to come up. I mean, for real. If we are going to say that we're allies and we need to walk the walk and talk to talk and live it and breathe it and be there for our people, for everyone, you know? And I think that in that, when Jasmine was saying, you know, how do you find community that you don't know exists. And I think that that space, that blank space or that black hole, when we might not know who our community is or where they are, allies can actually help fill that gap. They might be able to point people in the right direction if they're actually standing up and having the conversations and being on the front lines. But if they are weak and not exploring and don't continue to learn and self-educate, then those voids are still going to be there. And those communities are still going to be able to be silent. Christopher, why do you always have to steal my learnings? (laughs) I'm over here thinking about, I know, I'm over here thinking about how allyship goes into community and how that's so important. Um, But you said it way better than I was going to voice it. So I will just plus one everything you said. But also, um, I got chills when Hope was talking a lot about the allyship piece of it, where she was saying that you have to do what you're saying. And you actually have to show up in every sense of the situation. And I think that that's really important because I'll point out real quick 
it's a little bit of a tangent, but I was on a podcast recently where everyone on the podcast claimed to be super inclusive, although the podcast has nothing to do with diversity or inclusion or minority groups or anything along those lines. And there were a couple jokes that were really inappropriate and not inclusive. And I keep thinking about that, like when you all were talking, and that's so clear because there was no one represented in that podcast that fit any of the groups that were being discriminated in some of those jokes. And no one said anything. And that's obviously not true allyship. Like they showed up at marches, they've spoken out on different things, and they participated in those jokes. So my learning from this is really just also personally like finding my voice and not just watching on Instagram, not just listening on Twitter, not just participating in things that create platforms for people to talk about this stuff, but also like speaking out when things are not okay. So that's a little bit of a personal learning, but uh, I feel like it's appropriate here. So, and with that, we're going to pass that off to our guests. What is your takeaway? What are you going to take with you and do something with tomorrow or the next day or throughout the next week? I didn't realize how much I love Twitter. And <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I didn't know it was such like an underlying fountain of love. But I think my learning will be that I need to speak up more because my community is so underrepresented that sharing even my own personal opinion adds to the sea of representation. And just because my opinion is going to look different than other people and just because like I'm not the most educated person doesn't take away from my experiences, you know? To put it simply, I think I need to be contributing to the wealth of knowledge that young trans girls, trans people, and non-trans people are starting to find and really connect with and learn from because I've been through shit. And I have opinions and I get to share those and I get to really hold myself as part of this legacy that we've been talking about of including and uplifting younger trans folks. There was something that Jasmine said that resonated with me, but I didn't. It's going to stick with me, but I didn't think to like... um, Write it down. (laughs) Yeah, like I didn't think to write it down. But there was something that she said that definitely, I was like, ooh, Yes, hope check yourself. Um, But I can't. It was something that she said about just giving. I think that the one thing that I need to remember is that everybody is just at different places, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times I am very hard on my folks. I am very, you know, like I said before, I'm very all or nothing. But I think I need to learn patience with not just my allies, but like also with my trans sisters and understanding that we all have different opportunities that have been afforded to us. And it's not our job, nor should we try to make it our job to judge our sisters or judge our brothers in this experience, but more so to help guide them in the experience. And I oftentimes do that in a way that's not perceived as guidance. But I feel like if you're guiding somebody, that's what it looks like, right? Mm. Like there's no question about it. And so if somebody isn't perceiving my guidance as guidance, then that means that I'm not doing it right. And I think that um, I really wish I knew or remembered exactly what Jasmine said, but it was something within that realm. And I'm going to hold on to that because Hope likes to beat the kids up with words. And (laughs) I have to stop doing that. Yeah, I think it had something to do with what you said on the panel on 
for folks to be like honest about where they are in their process because you can't remediate everyone at the same time, right? Everyone's not going to learn at the same time. There we go. Cannot remediate everyone at the same time. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Full circle. Um, <laughs> um, my takeaway, and I mean, I guess it's kind of like a takeaway and kind of like reaffirming I think in participating in this and doing this work, you know, I want to make sure that I continue my my own personal commitment to uplift my community and different members of my community. You know, I'll share when I went, I think I shared this with Hope that we were debriefing from the panel. I went into that panel. I was like, okay, I'm a trans woman of color and I'm speaking, but I also want to be intentional to allow more space. Like I want to center my Black trans sisters experience because I know that that's an experience that is often overlooked and if it means me taking just a step back for that to happen like I want to do that so that's just one of the things personally but also because allyship isn't just for the folks outside of our community right it's for us inside as well because as you're growing as a trans person, it's both affirming and challenging because it's like you want to be close enough to community where you can hold space for them and impact them in positive ways. But you also want to be mindful that as community sees your growth, they may look to you and what type of message do you want to provide to them? But also what are they giving you that you want to carry kind of to the masses, right? If you have the opportunity and the resource and the platform to do so. So just being always intentional about that and making sure that I use opportunities in ways that uplift other folks as well. I feel like there's so many nuggets here to take away and everything that you all say, it's just a reminder that everybody needs to be thoughtful and intentional about their actions and how they show up every day. So I want to thank you all for joining us and for participating and for sharing your stories. And we're grateful to have you. We're grateful to have you participate in this episode. We're so grateful to have had the opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you for joining us in this discussion. It's been really great. Again, as a reminder, this is a two-part episode. If you've only caught part two, take a look at our podcast and our site to catch us on part one. And that's a wrap. We wouldn't have been able to kick this season off without our committed human-inclusive listening circle. You all have provided us with valuable feedback and ideas throughout the development of this podcast. So thank you. Special thanks to our trusted advisor, Mark D. Hands, who helps us think differently, creatively, and brings our ideas to life. Follow him on Instagram at Mark D. Hands. That's spelled M-A-R-C-D-H-A-N-S. Last but not least, thanks to Dante32 a production company that assists podcasters like us to get off the ground to edit and produce episodes in this season. Thank you for listening to Human Inclusive. We will see you next time.